Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to this episode of Talking Points. I'm your host, Brian Kelly. You know, when you think about airlines, you know, very few are sexy and cool. A lot of times people think, you know, they just get you from point A to point B. But there are some brands out there that really do push the boundaries and make flying fun. And certainly Virgin Atlantic is one of them. And I'm excited to welcome our guest today, the CEO of Virgin Atlantic, Shai Weiss. Shai, thanks so much for joining us today. What a pleasure. So let's just talk about your past. When you were a little kid, did you want to be an airline CEO? I didn't think I knew what planes were when I was a kid. So no, no, I couldn't say that I dreamt of being a. Do you airline. remember your first flight? I do. It was to Amsterdam. My mother's Dutch, mm-hmm. and uh, my grandparents lived in Amsterdam, and it was a flight to Amsterdam. I do, but I, I didn't grow up thinking about becoming a CEO. Yeah. Definitely not in aviation. You know, I grew up in Jerusalem in Israel. Mm-hmm. It wasn't exactly yeah. the thing that people talked about. Yeah. So was that first flight on El Al? I think it was KLM, KLM. <laughs> which is which is fortuitous given yeah, the fact that they're going to be our partners. Yes, yes. Yeah. So you ended up you went to business school in New York City. I did. You did your stint in the Israeli army, like all good Israelis, right? Yep. And there was no aviation. You weren't in the Air Force or anything there. No. Just trying to figure out <laughs> yeah. at what point in life you got pointed in the direction of aviation, because every CEOs, some were rock band stars, and it's I thought about aviation as soon as I started working on Virgin Atlantic. Mm-hmm. You know, I was working with the, the Virgin Group and Richard Branson. I was a board member before I actually joined the company. So I was a board member on behalf of Richard and the Virgin Group since 2012. You know, it was icon- as you said, yeah. iconic company. Yeah. What a brand. What a heritage. Mm-hmm. You know, sexy, fun. But it needed some help. So I joined the board on behalf of Virgin. And that's really when I started thinking about airlines. I'd always, of course, used airlines a lot. It was very important to me. I flew Virgin a lot. But I can't say I'm one of the aviation geeks. And by the way, you know, I'm, I'm only seven years in aviation. Some yeah. of the people that I deal with have yeah. been on it for 30, 35, 40 years. You know, we have actually at Virgin Atlantic, which just celebrated on June 22nd, 35 years, we have nine people who were there from day one, which we are now calling the Founders Club. So when you compare my time yeah, in aviation, to, yeah, I'm, I'm just a baby here. <laughs> Would you consider yourself an aviation geek today? We actually we had an intern this summer that <laughs> had this talent. We would play YouTube videos of plane engines, and he'd be able oh. to actually identify <laughs> the make and model of the engine and the plane it was attached to, which is wild. In comparison to that, the answer is a resounding no. Yeah. I think uh, airlines, if you look at it, have really had people working in them from you know from. Mm-hmm. You start off as a, either a apprentice or a cadet, and you go through the ranks. But I think once you take note that this is a consumer brand, we're not just doing point A to point B these days. We're doing journeys, which is the big thing that you know, is, is really essential to the way we, we run things. And it's really about leadership and just general running of companies and thinking about opportunities. I don't think you actually have to be just from aviation. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it cool just to think about things from a different perspective? Totally. Uh, so I think that's kind of what I'm trying to bring to the story. But compared to the people who can yeah. recognize, 
planes by sight. Yeah. Uh, no, no. But that's good. You bring a different perspective. <laughs> yes. But, but talking about leadership, I mean, working under Sir Richard Branson, I mean, what an icon. I, I read his book recently, Losing My Virginity, which I highly recommend <laughs> to anyone reading. It's a story. It's an incredible story about the Virgin Group. And totally. How has your leadership style changed working under Richard or with Richard? Yeah, so I've known Richard now 15 years. So I think, first of all, you know, just time has mm-hmm. seasoned both, of course, him, and, but definitely me. <laughs> what is so inspiring about Richard is his intuition for what people actually want. What is the zeitgeist? Mm-hmm. What really makes them tick is second to none. That's the first thing. Second, when he finds an idea, he knows how to back it, and he is all in. And he is mm-hmm. so excited about the prospects for the future. And the third thing that he does so well is... He really tries to find people he trusts and likes and feels confidence in, give them the opportunity, and then let them run. So if I can pick any one of these three Mm -hmm. dimensions and have learned anything, it will be on those uh, criteria. I think one of my biggest takeaways of the book, and I've met him a couple times now, is that he truly does still have fun at what he does, right? Even though Virgin groups are huge. Is that a part of running Virgin Atlantic, having fun, even at an executive level? It is. And I'll give an exa- you know, a live example. So I had uh, kind of New York. I know New York well. I had 30 minutes to kill. I was uh, in Thompson. I was sitting on a bench. Richard calls. He wants to talk about immediately, you know, the announcement that we made about our desire to become... Uh, Britain's second flag carrier, the competition at Heathrow, and the mm-hmm. ability to actually provide 84 new routes competing with BA and IAG more wholesomely. And he said, you know, I need to study this all the way, but I love it. And then he comes up with another idea of how to make it even more impactful. And that's the fun part of it, right? You know, just talking to a really smart guy who's got ideas. And let's talk about that announcement. It was probably one of the most caveated press releases I've ever read. Virgin's mega (laughs) expansion, all these cool routes. Austin, here we come. But, 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 but. Only so, two buts. Only two <laughs> but, buts. But. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a double-barreled if statement. Okay, but let's talk about the fr- I mean, the biggest but in the room is the, the Heathrow runway, right? Big one. So let's talk, what the heck is going on with that? I mean, it's been back and forth and protesters, and is it going to happen? First of all, it's now on. It's on and progressing quite well. We'll go back to why are we even interested now when the runway is supposed to be built in 2026, if you believe the current schedule holds. Hmm. I think it will be built because Britain needs it. Definitely in a post-Brexit world. You know, if you want to be competitive, aviation is an important part of it. Connectivity is a big part of this. And the capacity at Heathrow is is constraining our ability to serve these unserved markets. So I think it will happen. What we're saying is if it does happen, the current way of allocating the landing and takeoff slots is not adequate. I'll give, you know, very simple facts. One in four routes is a monopoly route operated by our partners, (laughs) IAG and BA, and we think that we can do more. So 18.5 million passengers fly on on monopoly routes. Yeah, I saw all those routes that there's only one carrier. There's one carrier, yeah. And and once you put it on paper, it really catches Mm -hmm. the imagination. The airport authority has the ultimate to give out slots. No, it's it's, it's not the airport authority. It's actually the government and the the Ministry of, of Transportation. So we're saying, right, we have a slot regime to allocate these slots. 350 new slots come online when the third runway is built, which is really a -a Mm once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Here's the fact. If we do not change the slot regime, Virgin, which owns less than 5% of the slots, together with its partners, will get 10. 
our partners or friends, mm-hmm. competitors will get about 100. So we're saying no. Yeah. You have got to change the slot regime now because that determines how, the, you know, how it's going to come online. And we think we should get about 150. And by the way, if it's not us, someone else should emerge right. as a significant competitor to British Airways and IIG. By the way, they will still be the largest by far. Yeah. Uh, so it's really not a threat to them. It's right. just more choice, better service, more domestic connectivity, more routes that will be competed, and prices should actually fall for consumers. In, in, yeah. For consumers, Britain with their sliding deadlines on everything these days, like it's so confusing for us on this side of the pond to be like, when, you know, when do decisions actually get made? A decision is already being made. So now it's all in consultation and decisions. There are some very big policy papers which are earmarked for the end of this year. We believe that is when the slot regime will be actually ratified or changed. Of course. We're advocating for this massive change, and then other pieces of legislation will happen over the next year or so. And then, of course, it should go into a live project. This is a very big project. You would say in China it would have taken half the time, mm. but there's yeah. objections, there's people, we need to, you know, there's noise, there's a lot of environmental matters, which yep. I'm sure we'll talk about, yep. all come into play here. But when a third runway is built, and if the way slots are allocated, the regime governing that is changed over the next six to 12 months, we believe we are best positioned to become Britain's second flag carrier because Britain deserves better. So do consumers and businesses in the UK. That's the simplicity of that. And we've showed you know, this, this release, of course, it's imagine if. Mm-hmm. Imagine what can happen here. We believe we've shown our ability to grow. You know, we've just announced new routes to Tel Aviv, which opens yep. next week. Uh, Mumbai, October 27th. Sao Paulo, early next year. Gatwick to Boston and New York. We bought a company called Flybe, which we will rebrand to be called Virgin something. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> and, and all that to create fee in the UK. So we're not just talking. We're putting capital, assets, attention to show that we mm-hmm. are in this for real. Speaking of Flybe, this isn't Virgin's first go at trying to do a domestic route network. Forgetting the name. Little Red. Little Red. Let me help you out there. (laughs) So if Little Red didn't work, why do you guys feel convicted about Flybe? Yeah, it's a very fair question. First of all, let me just go back. Businesses, not pilots, (laughs) are allowed to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And it's only what we learn from it. So we, of course, studied what happened with Little Red. Little Red was called Little Red. It flew from Manchester into Heathrow. It was before we understood the importance of Manchester to Virgin Atlantic, which we've now really amplified our presence there and have more plans into the future. And the cheeky answer to the difference between Little Red and Flybe is 8.5 million passengers. Mm. It flies today with around 75 planes in the domestic market at about 80% and above load factor, it's a v- company that is 40 years old, has had a rough patch. We're going to show it a lot of love, mm-hmm. get it back on track, rebrand it, and then really orient it towards feeding in Manchester and Heathrow to our long-haul routes, but also growing the mm-hmm. domestic market, which is so necessary. So I think that that's the idea. And of course, it's not Little Red. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, in the Netherlands, there's this new flight shaming, especially on shorter yep. haul hops when trains are available. Some people would say, Shai, you're crazy. You know, is this with flight shaming happening on short routes? Why did you just buy a carrier? You know, or, or do you think the flight shaming thing is not going to continue? You know, like, so, so, is that so, a threat to your flyby business? First of all, flight shaming is a, is it a threat to aviation in general? So I would first say that, you know, with our vision to become the most loved travel mm-hmm. company comes a great responsibility. First to our people and, and our passengers. We have to be excellent custodians of the environment, mm-hmm. and we are amplifying and really focusing on the local communities into which we work. So 
with the responsibility yeah. uh, towards the environment. You know, fly B and fly shaming. We, absolutely, yeah. if you really don't need to fly, don't fly. Yeah. But in the UK specifically, by the way, in the domestic yeah. market, fly B average length of flight is 55 minutes. It actually is competing with road yeah. and trains, which are not always efficient if you want to, to travel. To the yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, no, and, and yeah. just from the north to the south. Yeah. So we think we provide a really important service yeah. to fueling economies in, in local communities, connecting people across the UK and, of course, into mm-hmm. Europe. Now, is it to say that we should not be looking at electrification? That's actually, Flybe is a great place mm-hmm. where we could start with that exercise because of the, you know, the size of the planes, currently flying the, the, the Q400s. Yeah. So much more places to play with things that are so important to the environment. Yeah. So speaking of environment, I know Virgin Atlantic has pushed the uh, boundaries on renewable or fuel sources and trying all sorts of uh, new fuel types. Yep. How have those tests gone? And are, will we see a day soon where you know the fuels that planes are using are uh, more sustainable? I'm going to just take a step back before I answer exactly on the fuel. Because if you're working on an airline these days, the three things that you need to focus on is number one is your fleet. If you do long-haul traffic or travel, mm-hmm. having the best planes. The best kit is necessary. And I'll give examples. A350s, which are replacing uh, 747s and A340s. So moving from a four engine to a two Mm -hmm. engine is a 30% reduction in CO2. Virgin Atlantic would have reduced its own CO2 by 20% for the 10-year period ending in 2018. And by 2024, we would have reduced by another 30%. Our average age of the fleet by 2024 will be 5.3 years. That's the first thing that any airline should do. Second thing you need to do is indeed sustainable aviation fuel. We are working on the Corsia mm-hmm. framework, which of course is binding in Europe. It's all versus the 2019 and 2020 baselines, mm-hmm. and you need to show improvements and reduce by 50% by 2050. So as a CEO, that's got to be hard to increase revenues and passenger accounts, but while keeping your... And we will do that. Yeah. We will that's do that. Cool. We will grow our uh, ASK, so the average seat kilometers, mm-hmm. we will grow by 10% and reduce our fuel by 20%. Because of these beautiful because new planes. Because these new yeah. planes. Now, sustainable aviation fuel, you know, we've had a major cooperation with a company called Lanzatech, but we're expanding our remit. And I would hope to see realistically 10 to 20% of renewable or sustainable mm-hmm. aviation fuel coming in online in the next five to 10 years. But that's not for certain. Yeah. And the third thing is you bought the best planes, you're putting effort and capital into sustainable aviation fuels. And the third thing is, of course, whatever is left over, you need to offset and you mm-hmm. need to find amazing projects that do that. And of course, on the wrapper of that is a single-use plastics mm-hmm. and food and pre-ordering a food on board so you don't waste. Yeah. All that is now top of mind yeah. of any leader in aviation for sure, but it should be on in, in every company. All right, let's take a quick break right here and we will be back. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Let's talk about the shiny new plane. What is it like as an airline CEO to go to Airbus? You know, is it like buying a car? Do you, uh, 
give the check and they give you the keys to the plane. I've actually heard that some airlines will sign the deed in the sky due to tax regulations where they I, don't want to sign on the ground. Not, no, not we did you. not do that, okay? <laughs> Let me just clear. We, we, we signed it on the ground. Yeah. How is it? It's not like walking into a dealership and saying, I'll have one of those in green, yeah? <laughs> uh, it's not like that, yeah. okay? This is a well-thought-out process. First, you know, the evaluation, when do you need a plane? And, you know, airline executives know that two things really matter in terms of the economics of their airline, the network, and mm-hmm. then the planes that fly that network. So for us, it was pretty obvious that we needed to replace the 747s as much as we all love them, yeah. and the passengers love them, yeah. by the way. Still, the highest net promoter score is on a 747 oh. out of Manchester. But we needed to replace the 747. The A340 did its job, yeah. is getting a bit tired, yeah. and it's a four-engine plane. Yeah. So the first thing is we wanted to replace it with a similar size mm-hmm. but much more advanced technologies. We then looked at the market. Of course, there are two major competitors. Yeah. The A350 came up trumps for a number of reasons, not the least is, of course, the environmental footprint yeah. and the noise contour, which is 50% better than the 747. Mm. And then, okay, so now you choose the plane. Yeah. And then the fun part begins, yeah. right? How do you bring the virgin spirit, not just to the outside, but to the environment and the mm-hmm. journey inside? The TPG UK, we're all over. <laughs> you know, we, we love getting on first flights and delivery. And so Nikki Kelvin, who's our flight reviewer extraordinaire, loved his experience Pretty solid score. Pros, flawless. What do you mean, can you please say the score? The score was 87 <laughs> out of 100, but I don't think we've really had anything much higher than that. No, we, <laughs> we, we, we felt pretty, so pretty solid. I think we got the highest I score, think you got, yes, and we beat the competition. Well, the comp, you know, BA's club suite on the same, you know, the A350 85. came in at 85. That's right. So yes. kudos to you. Yes, kudos um, to the team, not to me. I didn't do anything. It was only the team. <laughs> Flawless ground experience. Can we say that again, please? Flawless ground experience. <laughs> flawless, flawless. You're perfect. Great new seat, nice soft product amenities, especially the mattress pad, cons, slow meal service, yep. awkward tray table positioning, yep. and lack of storage. Yep. So you want to start with the cons? Do you Let's think those were valid Absolutely. concerns? Uh, so first of all, the good news is we're on top of all these three things. Mm-hmm. I mean, the tray table is indeed something that needs to change, and it will be changed as of October. The slow, oh, wow, really? Yeah, You're... yeah, yeah. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna change it, and we have. Remember, we, this was the first plane. Yeah. This year we'll get four planes. There are eight more coming. Oh, so you're able to like change the upcoming installations? Like, I'm sure it costs money to it do a change me. order. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it costs a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, but this is a complicated machine, yeah. and a complicated environment. There are millions of decisions there. Can I say wholeheartedly that every single thing mm-hmm. is perfect? Absolutely not. Yeah. You said that no one has got a hundred score. Yeah. We're aiming for one hundred. That's our style. Okay, the tray table will we'll well, sort to get out. hundred, you're gonna have to put showers on board. That we're not gonna do. <laughs> That's definitely environmentally unfriendly. Maybe clean, oh, but I not, never yeah. thought of it that way. Darn. Think, yeah, yeah. Just can you imagine carrying all that water <laughs> for a shower? Seriously, we're not doing that. First of all, our service shines. Yeah. No matter what we talk about the environment. Yeah, the service itself was great. It was just like the, yeah. So the, I would say those are teething. That's just, you know, yeah. it was a flight. We're yeah. going to get better and better. The teams on board need to get yeah. used to the service schedule and how yeah. it all gets prepared and the galleys and, and the complexities. And then the storage will find ways of increasing it. And then the good news is we'll take all those learnings and apply them to the beautiful order that we've just put in for 14A339neos which start coming in 2021, which I promise will be even better than the A350. Can you give me any inside scoop? Are you going to have, you know, the lounge area? Um, so are you getting rid of, you know, the bar got 
taken out for the lounge area. No, replaced. Which, we didn't take it out. Yeah. yeah. Upgraded, actually. Yes. Upgraded. Okay. <laughs> yes. You're a good marketer. I, that's right. <laughs> I do so, work for now. Uh, let's talk about the Neos, the A330 yeah. Neos. What's going to be special about that experience? Well, so first of all, let's start, again, I'm going to start with the environmental footprint mm-hmm. because it's so important. It's going to be 13% more efficient versus the A330s, which they replaced. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. And in terms of, I think what you're seeing on the A350 is now the blueprint of Virgin Atlantic of the future. I'll actually start with some of the things that I really like, starting from the back. Mm-hmm. Economy class, the screen. The screen on board the A350 in economy is larger than our upper class screen today. Wow. That's already telling you something. In the premium cabin is simply stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then... The, the fact that we've moved you know, our new upper class, yeah. um, everybody's facing to the outside, which is quite mm-hmm. unique. But the biggest change there for us was the seats. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the fact that we've advanced or changed the bar and put it into the 21st century, which is now the loft. It's mm-hmm. really a place to actually have some fun, but work together, use a screen on Bluetooth and so did forth. Did it get rowdy? Did the loft get rowdy on your flight over here? I wasn't here. Oh, was you on, weren't no, on No, I was on the... Yeah, I heard it did. And I heard it worked very well, and people loved it. And, but it's also a place to work, mm-hmm. convene, you know, have some fun. And the nice thing about it, you can sit through turbulence because of the, the seatbelts, the, the seat yeah. which is small things. Yeah. So all that is the inspiration for the A339. Mm-hmm. I can't say much more because we haven't finished it, but you can see that we can take it even further and probably apply more technology. You know, in upper class today, you can order food and drinks mm-hmm. straight from the seat. Wi-Fi is advancing. We'll see what we can do with it. I love my Bose Bluetooth headphones, yes. and to be able to have the Bluetooth. wireless, yeah, the yeah. Bluetooth at your seat would be... That may be there. That may be there. <laughs> you heard it here first. It might be there. <laughs> Upper class gets a lot of attention, but economy, you've been making a lot of improvements as well. Yeah. In addition to the uh, larger screens, for someone who's never flown Virgin and they fly in economy, how would you sell the Virgin economy experience versus the I'll start with a very simple thing. We're a full-service carrier, and we aim to please everyone on board. And one of the design principles we have for our cabin crew is no matter, once you're on a plane, you get everything you need. Mm-hmm. Water, some of the... <laughs> some don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Water, drinks, food, a smile, and an attentive and really um, loving group of people want to get you to your destination. That's the first thing. Second thing is what we've improved is, of course, if you look at the seats, of course, they're just, in terms of their agrodynamic um, design, you know, they're... they're spacier, there is a nice headrest, and of course I said that the, the, you know, the entertainment uh, systems mm-hmm. are so much more advanced. What we've also done in our economy product, there are over 30 seats which are what we call economy delight with extra legroom. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at the best economy class in the sky, those are one of those seats. So that in totality mm-hmm. is a pretty solid experience which competes with any of the economy products out there, definitely versus the low-cost <laughs> yeah. uh, carriers. Have you made a decision yet on the 787s? Are you going to retrofit with these beautiful new cabins? So, so the 787 only arrived from 2014, so mm-hmm. they're not very old. Yeah. And I think if you look at the cycle, so first we're going to take the A350s, 2021, the A339 come along, and then we'll probably have to indeed retrofit the 787 that will happen. It's usually a cycle of between seven to 10 years when you change everything, and it would be nice to really upgrade them to the next. How are those engines, by the way? Is that problem almost over with? Yeah, it's been a long cycle, and you know, we're talking about the the, the Rolls-Royce engines on our 787. Mm -hmm. I think I saw one being worked on at, uh, I recently toured Delta's Tech Op Center and their engine repair shop. Yeah, they do tend to be repaired. It's not repaired, it's actually just checked. Yeah, yeah. Let's first start, it's not a security issue. They're safe. 
It's really what is the economic life that you can get out of them. And we, like everybody else who's got them, have had issues. I would say we are ahead of everyone else. We were always ahead of the curve. So when we first saw that there were problems with the 787, we took the bold decision to go get four planes, four A332s. Mm-hmm. We just got them. We bought planes so that we can provide a continuous service for our passengers. Those are um, the Air Berlin planes? Yeah, the Air Berlin planes, uh, which we then retrofitted. Mm-hmm. again. You know, and, and by the way, the net promoter score of them has moved dramatically up, which just tells you that it's the service what's, actually. What's got to be the bottom, three, four, A340? A340, yeah. Uh, yeah, as you would expect. Yeah. But okay, they're retiring yeah. soon. I'm, I'm hoping, going back yeah. to the 787 issue, that if we indeed get to what we call that all our planes in the 787 mm-hmm. configuration are flying, we hope to get there by year end. We will mm-hmm. be retiring the A340-600s. And the problem has bec- it was acute. We were ahead of it. We didn't cancel flights. And we just want to be out of it with our partners at Rolls-Royce, which are putting everything they can mm-hmm. behind this issue. Let's switch a little bit to loyalty because our listeners would uh, <laughs> hit me if I didn't ask anything about it. Um, so I know Flying Club recently got spun out to the Virgin Group. And Delta. And Delta, yeah. So I love Flying Club. It's, you know, it's, it's chart-based. It's really low mileage levels. Um, yeah. Comparatively speaking, you know what you're going to get if there's availability. You know, your partner Delta has rankled some flyers because, you know, they're now on the more dynamic pricing yep. Yep. of kind of roll the dice and see how many miles it'll cost. Revenue-based. Revenue-based, dynamic pricing, however you want to call it. I think there's a little bit of stress out there. Oh, no, is is Virgin going the way of Delta? And I know there are new changes being announced next year, but yeah, so is, that, is that one of your priorities? When we looked at Virgin Atlantic and considered why we were not doing as well as we wanted to do, we know there's a tremendous preference for Virgin Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Two to one in the UK and about one and a half to one in, mm-hmm. in the U.S. versus all our competitors. We ran, as you know, pretty smart surveys. I think you helped us mm-hmm. out. And there were three impediments, network, price, and loyalty. Mm-hmm. Network, we were solving, growing, Flybe, Air France, KLM, joint venture, Delta joint venture. Price was all about competing with the low-cost carriers such as yeah. Norwegian, and that was when we imagined our economy cabin and introduced the light, the classic and the light, which we mm-hmm. mentioned just previously, and the last piece is loyalty. What we considered is we're doing something against the grain. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's bringing back their loyalty in-house. Yeah, yeah. We're spinning it yeah. hours out. And you can say, we'll see how that works. Yeah. And we, we will have to see how yeah. it works. The idea is to benefit from the federation of virgin companies mm-hmm. and the strong presence in the UK. Because what you see in a traditional airline, unless you're a business person, and the level of interaction between the passenger and the, and the airline is once every two to three years. We wanted to give them a much more of an experience. So we think that through the spin-out and offering it through a federation, there'll be much more opportunities to earn and burn your mm-hmm. miles, and that we'll offer something else. Of course, the miles and the so, points reside outside of us, and we are in charge of what we offer our passengers. So how many flying club miles or whatever the new program's going to be called? It's going to points. To go to, go to outer space, roughly, <laughs> on Galactic. A billion. <laughs> no, I don't Let know. crunch the numbers there. Actually, that might not be I, th- I think. Okay. I think, actually... If I'm not mistaken, I think it was once pegged at two, it, mil- two yeah, million. Yeah, I remember that. There was it a was number. The yeah. I think it's two million. When do you think you'll take your first uh, flight to outer space? I don't know that. Uh, do you want to? I do, actually. I need to negotiate. Can you non-rev to outer space? I'm not sure you can. <laughs> yeah, you can do standby, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I think it's more of a negotiation with my family. Mm-hmm. I, but I would certainly want to do it. So back to loyalty. So you will see it become more of a fluid currency it's now spun out. It yeah. truly has spun out into our partners and owners, uh, Delta and Virgin Group. 
But uh, what we will offer, I think we're going to try and find new ways of making it much more accessible, just as we've kept over the years. But what's nice about our loyalty program is one of the things that you can now do, of course, you can earn and burn Virgin Miles on Delta and Air France, Carolina. That's really the thing, the last impediment that we've removed. You're basically Sky Team light. Why haven't you just fully bitten the bullet and joined Sky Team? You know, I think we were talking about that exact point in a meeting with our partners yesterday. And I would say we're inching closer. And as soon as there is a reason to join that program Mm -hmm. in terms of a technology or an an advantage to our passengers, recognition, Mm -hmm. we will join. But it's got to be with an advantage, not just for the sake of Mm -hmm. it. All right. I want to move to something that I admire about Virgin and your company, I mean, and your leadership is that you guys really do have a commitment to diversity. Um, You guys have openly stating that you want to double the amount of black, Asian, and minority ethnic representation at the company to 12%. Yep. How is that going? And um, what are some of the things you're actually doing? You know, Because I struggle with that at, at the points guy, and finding that diverse talent really does make you a better company, but it is challenging. It's very challenging. But like I said, most love travel company comes with responsibility. Again and again, we remind ourselves it's also responsibility to people. Virgin Atlantic is an inclusive company. We've set very, not aggressive, but very ambitious terms and, 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 and objectives for 2022. Indeed, moving our black, Asian, minority, uh, ethnic up to 12%, but we, we should also mention gender mm-hmm. at 50%. And the signs I'm seeing are very, very good. The minute you, see, you know how it is, mm-hmm. it's, it's very simple. You identify a problem, you set a target, you know it's the right thing, we're going to go at it. Here's a few statistics that make me feel that we're on the right track. If you look at our leadership team, the top 130, 150, we're already 45% female, which tells you that yeah. around my table, we're not. We're probably about two out of 11, mm-hmm. so we can do better. Yep. But if you look at the cohort that is coming up, there is no doubt that time will heal mm-hmm. that problem. If you look at Virgin, is a very English company. If you remove, just hear me out for one second, if you remove pilots and cabin crew from the number, we're already at 12% mm. black and Asian minority. So we need to do more, and I'll give you a very good example. We need to do more to recruit in the cabin crew in the pilot community. Mm-hmm. By the way, female representation in pilots is notoriously low. Yeah. And we're going to do anything. I, anything I know it's the same can. in like technology. We look at, you know, getting more women and uh, people of color into technology. You have to start like way early. You know, it's, you know, you got to build that pool. Absolutely. How, how far back are you but going to get more people in? We'll go back to that, but I just want to go, I'll give you a really, it's an obvious point, but it's so powerful. So when you want to be, a lot of people want to be cabin crew at Virgin Atlantic. It's a, Great job with a great company. And people who love traveling and love serving mm-hmm. want to do that job. You have to know how to swim. Mm-hmm. But do you actually need to know how to swim before you do the job? Or do you need to know how to swim when you are accepted? Mm-hmm. We found that to be a discriminatory practice. And we've changed it. Really? What do we, yeah? yeah. So we're saying, you don't know how to swim? That's not a problem. If your attitude is right and you want to work for us, mm-hmm. we will tell you where we can help you learn how to swim. That's really interesting. For example, in India, we're opening routes. We needed more yeah. Indian crew, and you found that you know a lot of Indians just haven't learned how to swim. Yeah. Does it mean they don't have, yeah. they, they can't, can't learn how to, it out. Yeah. they can figure it yeah. out. That's exactly an example where yeah. unconscious biases have entrenched in the way hmm. we operate. That's what we're going to change. Interesting. So let's take a look into the future. You know, what are the biggest travel trends, you know, between Hyperloop and 
unmanned drone taxis. You know, there's a lot of moonshots out there in the travel industry. What are some of the biggest things that you think we'll actually see that change the way we travel within the next five years or so? Well, the holy grail, of course, is the personalized journey, right? Mm -hmm. We have today about five and a half million passengers. Every single one of them has a unique journey. Mm -hmm. Even if they're going to the same place at the same time to the same conference, they don't want to eat the same thing. There's sleep patterns. They don't like the coffee the same way. Mm -hmm. They want to get to the airport in a different way. They want to be met on the other side or not. So if we were able to find ways of really using the data and the information with the consent of our passengers mm -hmm. to provide a unique journey, that's I think, will be quite unique. By the way, we've changed just recently the way we run the company. We already had a customer vertical. Rather than calling it customer experience people, Daniel Kersner, who you know, mm -hmm. he is now director of customer journeys, mm. which means that it's an end-to-end. -end. It's not just the time on the plane. It goes far wide. So the two trends I would see is how do you try and do the end-to-end? -end? I mean, really, including if you could crack the code on how you arrive in a terminal, mm -hmm. right? The terminals are so inefficient yeah. and such a stressful place for, uh, yeah. for passengers. So if you're able to do the journey from end-to-end -end and personalize it, I think that would be quite unique over the next five years. And does that, in terms of the journeys, are you also getting into the experiences once passengers arrive and trying to get into that? The journey is really from start, when you started your journey, to yeah. the time you come back. And then you're immediately, of course, in consideration again. So we're not constraining ourselves. We are starting first just to make sure that our house is in order. We can do so much more. And then, of course, expand it and collaborate with partners, whether they are in aviation, hotels, Virgin, mm -hmm. you know, we're working now deeply with Virgin Voyages, Virgin Hotels, and other mm -hmm. uh, great companies, but it's all about the completeness of the journey. And by the way, the next thing would be matching the customer journey to a people journey, our own people, making sure that our people are recruited mm -hmm. and then trained to match the customer journey in terms of what they can do for the service, because at the end of the day, the magic formula for Virgin Atlantic has always been its people. Final question. Virgin Atlantic flies to a lot of destinations. What's the one that you absolutely smile ear to ear when you get on the plane that you're most excited to go to? Or one that you would just highly recommend to anyone listening who's like, yeah, no, I want to fly Virgin Atlantic now. And So first of all, okay, I would say, and this is uh, awkward, but you know, the trick on aviation airlines as CEOs is that they always try and find a route that is really convenient for them. And of course, we are starting to fly to Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv, yeah. You're <laughs> <laughs> and I feel a bit odd about that, but you know, just the sensation. Did you add that just because no, you of wanted course, it? It's convenient for me, of course. It's all about me getting home. Yeah. Um, you know, I think having the ability to see a virgin plane land in... Are you going to be on that first flight? No, I will not be on the first flight. Uh, by the way, I've never actually worked in Israel. So for me, it's a kind of... Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a great service. There's a great crowd there. There's a great desire. But it's, I kind of feel proud that you know, Virgin Atlantic is going to come to a place where I grew up. Well, I am actually going to a friend's wedding in Tel Aviv on New Year's Eve. And I booked using Flying Club Miles... Tel Aviv, London, and then home to New York on the A350. Suite. Oh, wow. Okay. But okay. I'm sure I'll try to sweep before then. <laughs> Shai Weiss, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on uh, all the achievements in flight, on the ground, and look forward to flying on Virgin Atlantic soon. Thank you so much. Safe travels. Thanks. Again, I'm your host, Brian Kelly, and this episode was produced by Margaret Kelly and Caroline Chagrin. Special thanks to Christy Matsui, my 
legendary assistant. And if you've been enjoying Talking Points so far, thank you. And please leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 